Mini episode 1331 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Before we turn more to some of the Biden stuff, last thing I got to say about Trump is, and again, and this is one of these things where a lot of folks on the left, uh, I think some of them willingly miss the point on this, some of them unwillingly miss the point, but this is a thing where, and I say this as a guy that 25 years ago, coming from a Rust Belt city, said uh, the Republican Party for its future survival needs to be more blue collar, needs to be less yacht club, everything like that. Some of the things that Trump brought, and yes, there, there were some crude ways that he brought this about, but also, Trump was, in my lights, much better on trade than your average Republican president. He, I think he went, he went past fair trade into protectionism, and I'm a fair trader, but he wasn't a free trader. Now, I don't think he should be protectionist, but I don't think he should be a pure free trader either. Trump oriented the Republican Party away from that. Permanently, probably not, but he did. Again, realism in foreign policy, especially in the Middle East, a good thing, as opposed to the neocons. So there are, there are parts of Trump's brand that I have long said the Republican Party needs to be more in favor. Again, as a guy who was a Buchanan guy back in the 90s. Right, uh, right. And he, he took a lot of these things and went with it. So we have a tendency to look at the, you know, the demagoguery that won over blue-collar workers and whatever. But there were many ways that he reoriented the Republican Party that, from my estimation, were for the better. And that's the whole thing of how you sort out the, the post- Trump era in the Republican Party, which I do think we're into. I think it is going to be a post-Trump era, and I think it's a thing of separating the good from the bad is incredibly, incredibly nuanced, and our political system is not set up to deal with nuanced arguments. That's true fact. Um, yeah, you know, although when you say working class, you do always have to append it with white working class, because that, despite his pickup, uh, particularly among black yeah. and Hispanic men... Um, the you know working class people who are not white still voted overwhelmingly for Biden. True. So um, uh, and I think if you don't you know I think it distorts to think of it purely in class terms it distorts it right because I don't think you can separate race from dumb Trump. No, you you can't. I really don't. You know yeah. you go all the way back to birtherism. You hell you go all the way back to the Central Park Five. Well, and see, but here's the thing though, and this is where I think and and again. I mean, it astonishes me that he came as close as he did to winning, notwithstanding mm-hmm. all the ways that he shot himself in the foot. And I think, uh, for, first of all, take, had he taken the pandemic seriously at all, he'd have won. Because he I did, think you might be right. He, I think you may well be right. Yes, because he didn't take it seriously at all, and it hurt him with, and as I said previously on the show, based purely on the policy areas I liked, I stayed open to voting for him until, I'd say, May. And then at that point, I was so turned off by the pandemic stuff, I said, screw it, I'm voting third party. I voted Joe Jurgensen. Hashtag, I'm with her. So that was, uh, you know, what I ended up doing, 
most people probably just went right over to Biden because everybody thinks we live in a binary world where you got to do one or the other, <laughs> you know. But it, it's a thing where, in looking at this, it, it's a thing with with Trump of where you know there there is an incredible amount of nuance of what happens from here on in, and where had he embraced the fact that he signed the prison reform deal on there. Because I agree with you. He was trying to pander to racial resentments throughout the campaign here. And that that's a thing of where you're then making an overt appeal for minority votes on a principled basis. You're talking about a public policy issue that disproportionately affects their community. That's another... I mean, if he wins even more minority votes, does that swing him the election? Not not in and of itself, and not nearly as much as taking the pandemic seriously would have. But these are things where, uh, again, his own stubbornness, his own ego, his own toxicity, as far as thinking he knew the answer to everything like that, got in the way. Because he thought running as Archie Bunker was the way to do it, and that ain't the way to do it in 2020 America. Well, you know, it's, you know um, uh, somebody did remind me that on a, a panel in the summer, a campaigns and elections event, um, uh, you know, I always like to throw out a forward-looking question when I'm operating panels, and, sure. uh, you know, I ask for people's predictions, and I predicted that in January, Kamala Harris would... Uh, break the tie in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Now, when you and I talked, even just a couple of months later, and that was before Kamala had been nominated. Right. But um, when you and I talked a couple of months later, you and I, uh, I was, I thought the Democrats were going to do far better than I did even over the summer. Sure. Um, and, you know, I think that it is difficult to overstate the way that Trump, the fact that Trump could mobilize a lot of people who no one else could mobilize, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, I wonder if the Republican, you know, a normal, you know, quote unquote, normal Republican candidates will be able to do that. I think Trump's, you know, expanded the electorate in, in directions that other candidates simply couldn't. That is very possible, based on the whole makeup, the, the unique makeup of his nature. And again, and, and listen, and I, I will say, too, that you know I'm sure that there's a Trump supporter that would uh, come back at me and uh, take issue with my critique because in light of the riots over the summer and everything that happened, mm-hmm. the damage in all these cities, I mean, you go to downtown Cleveland, and it still looks like Hiroshima in, in areas really? of there as far as, yeah, I mean, in, 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 in so many of the major cities. The amount of stuff. DC, in, DC and New York, no. Well, <laughs> DC and New York doesn't look like anything ever happened. Well, it, it, okay, but it, it, it took a period of time, I'm sure, to get back from where Not they really, were. Not really, no. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Not in DC. Uh, really? Okay. All right. Yeah, uh, that no, was well. I mean, uh, you know, uh, grossly overplayed. All right. Media. Well, I mean, it's particularly and conservative media, at least here. Well, I mean, uh, you know, across the country, there was the one weekend in particular. Uh, I think it was uh, the weekend after Memorial Day. I will tell you this: that I mean, rarely could you find any effort or uh, any uh, mirth in any of the things that were happening. But the one thing of the guy who, I don't know if you ever saw this. This was, I think, in Salt Lake City. Did you hear about the story of bow and arrow guy? 
No, not, I, I think I heard somebody refer to it, but I don't okay. know what it was. Okay, here's, here's what it is. Go look it up on YouTube, everybody, that there were some protesters that shut down a highway, and uh, again, look, I understand that that's annoying as hell. I sure as hell don't think that's the right way to go about stuff, whatever, but this guy, what he decided to do was, he, he, he went, you know, and he was being filmed because he was confronting them and somebody had a, you know, car phone on him, and what happened at that point was somebody went and uh you know they, they you hear somebody yell he's getting out a bow and arrow and what happened was he went into his car he got a bow and arrow out he fired like one or two shots that didn't hit anybody and then the crowd descended and beat the crap out of him <laughs> so, I mean, it was just one of those things like that was not a good move buddy that was not a good way to handle that yeah you Tragedy turns to farce. Well, yes, yes, and that was, you know, and things were, as somebody who was on Twitter that entire evening, just going back and forth, looking at everything happening in every major city, I mean, look, it did, it felt to me like the world was spinning off its axis, and I think probably Trump did. I mean, even even in Portland, you're talking about yeah. four, or five, four or five blocks, well, right? My friends who live in Portland were mildly inconvenienced. Well, it's interesting that, you know, one of my good friends lives in Portland, and, and he's, uh, the city itself, it's not necessarily downtown, but it's probably not far from that, and I hardly ever refer, hear him refer to coming up against any of this stuff. And I know yeah. Portland's not the biggest area, so that's something that's had me scratching my head, because clearly stuff's been going on. The whole time, well, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there and, and in Portland, you know, you've got, I mean, this is building on a couple of decades. So it's like, I think Portland is an outlier case. Well, but, yeah. Um, you know, like, you know, I live in D.C. Right. Well, it was not a big deal. Okay, well, right? you know. Yeah, they were, um, uh, you know, the worst damage was done the first night of the protests, and it had nothing to do with the protests. Well, it was... Gangs of criminals taking advantage of the police's attention being drawn away. Right. The the windows, you know, the shots were being broken into like three miles from the protest. Right. So anyway, well, anyway we but here's the thing, though. But this but. this actually ties into what we're talking about with the here and now, though, and and, and the next four years because. The whole thing of, you know, there's been commentary after the election, and I think it's right on the money, because you look at cities like uh, Minneapolis, uh, you know, waving their fist, defund the police. That is absolutely, that's the reason Trump, not, notwithstanding the fact that he didn't win, he actually had coattails, and that's a reason why. And that's a thing where a lot of, a lot of Democrats, after the election, have said this, as far as the framing of stuff. And, uh, again, you know, I think... There's a decent amount of backlash that was out there as far as the way but that can everything I point went. Out, can I point something out? Sure. Yeah. The, the media and the, the conservative media and the politicians who were promoting this idea that the Democrats were for defunding the police were lying. Some of them were. Right? Some of them were. No, I mean, virtually no Democratic elected official, virtually no. Democratic candidate was talking about that. Colin, Minneapolis abolished the police. They, they did not abolish. They they renamed things. There are still 
police with guns walking the streets of Minneapolis. I'll take your word for it. I haven't been that there. That is just ludicrous. I'll take your word for it. Well, yeah. Wh- wait a minute. Why, why do you? Police. Why do you need? It's I'm just sorry. Like Joe Biden is. You know, if you looked at um, like Venezuela and Colombia and the Cuban uh, communities in Florida. Uh, you had especially a lot of older people didn't vote for Joe Biden because they were afraid of socialism. Joe Biden is not socialism. You know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not socialist, really. Well, She's not talking about government control of the means of production. You know, yeah. those yeah, anyways. lies. Well, lies. Well, I. But you and I have both said, and it's. I mean, and the last time I, I think this was the last time we were on. You uh-huh. were you were splitting a difference that I got to be honest with you. I don't see, and a lot of people okay. don't see, because it's a circle back to that. When I said that Joe Biden has proudly talked of running on the most progressive platform ever, uh, and yet you don't, and that we, I think you and I both agree. You're happy about this. I'm not. That the gravitational pull of the Democratic Party is very much leftward, especially during compared to the Obama years. The the the, the tide is is right. pulling far so in that. On a scale of one to a hundred, we moved about five points. Okay. All right. But that's good. But I mean, I remember. I remember. I remember your complaints of the Obama years, and this is a thing uh-huh. where I mean, so. You're you're saying that that somebody can have the most progressive platform of all time, uh, and and one that uh, uh, AOC would uh, gladly sign off on as she has, and she describes herself as a democratic socialist. And you're saying don't connect those dots there. A lot of us, myself Again, a included, do. Democratic socialist is not a socialist. I I, right? I, I, I get I mean, that it's the problem is that we don't have enough words for these things, and that people on the left make inartful decisions about what they call themselves. Bernie Sanders is not a socialist. He's a social democrat, right? Denmark is not a socialist country. Norway is not a socialist country. They are capitalist countries with robust social safety nets. Well, Elizabeth Warren calls herself a capitalist. Right. Now she does. Um, she does. Bernie Sanders doesn't. Here's the thing, though, and this is this is this is what I love about these discussions because I, I yeah, defy yeah. anybody to find any other show that's going to take on something like this. <laughs> I've I've heard Bernie Sanders, and this is you know there, there's any number of crotchety things. And by by the way, who knew that his meme was going to be uh, you know the big oh hit I know of, right yeah the, yeah, I the love inauguration the one with uh, him at Yalta. Well, <laughs> well, I immediately jumped on the bandwagon subsequently of uh, Bernie memes, but uh, me being from where I'm from, uh, I was substituting in Bernie Kozar, standing in the pocket. So that was oh. how I... <laughs> but, yeah, that as, works. Yes, as he, is, as he is my hero. But as far as it goes, Bernie gave one of these crotchety old man you know, uh-huh. interviews, or this was from back in... I mean, Bernie was a crotchety young man, right? Like back in oh, the yeah, 70s. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he was born 80 years old. Yes, yes. And like somewhere along the way, when he was on a public access show or something up there in Vermont, yeah, it was like... It was something, and I'm paraphrasing a minute. What do we need 15 different kinds of mouthwash for? What do we... I'm like, <laughs> you want to tell me that guy's not a central planner at heart? I mean, that's America, man. Like, I, well, I knew a, I knew I a guy... Know. I'm not in his heart. Okay, you know? but, like, that's entirely opposite the spirit of... When I was a young intern... Well, oh, 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 so, so, wait a minute. So, Bernie Sanders' central planning is bad, but 
but the monopolistic social planning of five energy companies is good. And, and well, and and big tech, big tech is its own, you know, quasi yeah, big monopoly. I mean, come on, so man. No. there hasn't been a, there hasn't been a free market in this country basically ever. And that because I agree. Whether it's government regulated or not, you get a monopolistic power and oligopolistic power almost immediately. Well, I, I I agree with that, but that's a thing where you have to wonder, okay. Who's going to benefit on what I'm about to bring up next here? The uh -huh. one thing, as we circle around here to the consequences, I would say, of a lot uh -huh. of the Biden actions, and it's been a flurry of executive uh, uh, orders here in the early days, uh -huh. uh, probably the most consequential of which, I would say, was shutting down the Keystone Pipeline, which you're already seeing gas prices uh, starting to pipe up a little bit here in this country. And that's the thing here, this, this whole notion of uh, we're going to try and get ourselves off fossil fuels tomorrow, uh, that is going to be a thing. Not tomorrow. Again, well, that is not his plan. Well, you know. Uh, no, it is not his plan. And Keystone XL Pipeline had plenty of problems, plenty of regulatory problems. Well, and know, it, had it had some federal approval, but there were state courts but, still holding it up, and there were state regulatory barriers to it. Too. Colin, that, and that's symbolism at its finest, because you want to shut down the oil sands, you can't do it. It's in another country. They're a sovereign country. We are All not right. going to stop Canada from doing one effing thing. What we're going to do is we're going to stop it from coming into this country and easing our own energy situation and whatever. To me, that's symbolism at its finest. Canada's like, okay, we'll just put it on rail cars then. I mean, we don't... But far less efficiently, and, and you're not going to be able to pull nearly as much out of the ground. And Canada's going to have to change course in a few years anyway. In the meantime, let's not emit a few megatons of carbon. I think that's okay. It's it's a you know, thing. I don't if if you want to build if you want to dig a coal mine in your backyard, I don't have to let you carry the coal across my backyard. Okay, but I mean, at at a time when when the Fed's already doing the helicopter money thing, we're already printing money like it's nineteen twenty nine in Germany and all these things. But it's here. not nineteen twenty nine in Germany. But I mean, but inflation I, rate is under is under. Isn't it under 1% well, right now? Lies, damn lies and statistics. For anybody that's been buying food, food is exempted yeah. from it, I believe. I believe isn't food and fuel exempted from it? And those are areas uh, that we No, get... there's the core versus, it depends on how you like it. There's core inflation okay. versus the, the inflation, the volatile. Right. And that's a thing where you put higher gas prices on top of all of this. And I think when you're looking at the scenario for Biden and the Democrats in the 2022 midterms, their number one thing that they got to be hoping for, although I don't think they have the self-awareness to know uh, about it because they're, they're with the Keystone actions and everything else that's anti-oil, they're feeding into it. Gas prices going up, that is something that could both hurt the economy. Why are gas prices going to go up? I mean, oil prices are up a little. Trust me, my parents mm -hmm. <laughs> have mineral rights Okay. <laughs> about four, now about ten miles away from where I'm sitting, right? Okay. And they haven't, you know, they're not getting checks like they used to. Right. Uh, we watch the oil prices here. Yeah, they've picked up a little bit, but um, I think you're going to, at a point where um, fracking has... Uh, uh, not just affected gas production, but also, uh, you know, increased America's oil production dramatically. Yeah. I mean, we're still pretty darn close to functionally oil independent. When we import oil, it's because it's, it's usually because it's like a particular weight right. of oil, a particular flavor of oil that is better to refine into certain things. But nobody's running short of gasoline. 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, but I mean, if you're looking at the trajectory, again, we're, 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 we're about a month into the, the Biden era here. So this is a yeah. thing where certainly if gas I would prices... I very wary of making... I mean, the, the, the energy and you know, the oil and gas industry is, no pun intended, highly volatile. And yeah. it depends on, on way more short-term factors than anything Joe Biden's going to do. Let's just put it that way. Well, you know, so, so that is definitely something to keep an eye on. I know that uh, the, the White House uh, press secretary there, spokeswoman, uh, Jen Psaki, had said recently here that uh, they more or less intend to SCAN. I think the entirety of Trump foreign policy. So I don't know. Does that mean a return to the permanent? Well, I, I don't know what that means. Well, I mean, she basically said we're getting away from all of that. So I mean, again, baby and bathwater. Well, they're right? reviewing all of it. Well, you know, I think I think his China policy is not going to change nearly as much as uh, a lot of people might think. Well, you know, it it, it better not I mean, we've because got, we've got two aircraft carriers. Um, doing joint exercises in the South China Sea. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it, so it, it, he's not back, you know, they're doing the freedom of nap, FONOPS, the freedom of navigation operations, right? Right. Uh, they're not backing away from things like that. I mean, Trump wouldn't talk to Xi about the Uyghurs. Right. He probably kind of liked what he's doing. Yeah, and I so, get that. And Trump was soft on Hong Kong, but then... You know, I don't know. I mean, is it going to be, you know, saber-rattling towards Russia, a nuclear power in their own right? So, I mean, all of this stuff here, too. A return to the permanent wars of the Middle East. I mean, Biden's the same guy that voted for uh, the Iraq War and all the other stuff here. So, I mean... Yep, he did. He you know, did. When, yeah, when you're, no, when you're, that's absolutely true. When you're talking uh, about getting away... I don't know what from, happens with Afghanistan. I don't know if anyone has an answer to Afghanistan. Yeah. That, that's, I don't think they, I don't. The Afghan government certainly doesn't. Right, but I, I mean, I, I do, I do think drawing down as much as humanly possible and as quick as humanly possible, uh, that's that's an option that I like. So, uh, but we'll we'll have to see if that happens. I am not holding my breath on that one here because when I hear return to normalcy, that could be a return towards uh, you know more saber rattling and uh, some of the kind of stuff that that basically predated on all yeah, this. Yeah, I just don't think that's Biden's style. Well, it, you know, part of it's part of it's who you got working for you too, though, and that's the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, my God, Blinken is is about as you know deadpan a Secretary of State as you're going to get. True. You're not going to get these loose cannon effects like you did with uh, uh, Trump's people. Well, it, what, what's, um, what's interesting is a little bit of a little bit of continuity from Trump that uh, was not a good thing in my estimation. Uh, we have okay. now another Secretary of Defense who needed a waiver to serve in the okay. position as he was not coming in uh, as a lifelong civilian. Another guy with those kind of ties to the military-industrial mm-hmm. complex. So, you know, I mean, it, it checked off a box here on the uh, diversity thing, but mm-hmm. uh, at what cost is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually a little more sanguine about that. I don't, I mean, but my God... You want to talk about the military? We talk all day sure. about the almost imperial retinues that, like these generals, have right, yes. and the cushy gigs that are waiting for them. I don't. I forget that. I mean, I haven't seen the numbers in a long time. But I, we used to have like ten times more admirals and generals than we did during World War II with right. a military that is a fraction, you know, a small fraction of the size, right. Um, so to me, the bloat starts at the top. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to give him the benefit, also the benefit of the doubt and let's see. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, you know, it's not like he's going to be going off without doing things without Biden's approval. Now, is he going to get the, you know, some of these ridiculous, um, I'm, I'm, what I'm going to be looking at, honestly, is procurement, right? Mm-hmm. Like the Navy's shipbuilding program has been one disaster after another. Right. Um, you know, the, the Zumwalt cruisers, the littoral combat ship, the Ford aircraft carrier, just disastrous bloated, poorly thought out, stupid decisions. Yeah. So um, I'm going to be watching the kind of decisions that they're, they have started to make a few smarter ones. I think buying um, new F-15s to replace the old F-15s is actually going to save a ton of money down the road. Sure. But um, uh, so that's the kind of thing I'm going to be watching. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, buy, buy smarter, definitely, uh, when you have yeah. to. And it's a thing, too, where... When you look at this, uh, it, it's very, very interesting for those of us that remember 2009 and 2010 that Joe Recovery Summer Biden appears to be putting so much of his marbles on uh, this uh, stimulus package in the early going here that this is going to be sort of the, uh, and no pun intended in light of previous uh, mentions here, keystone thing of his presidency uh-huh. in the first two <laughs> years. It's absolutely zero pun intended. But it, 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 as far as the different things that are going to be in there and not be in there, uh, the, the funny thing is, is that as, as far as the potential for this, and this is what I said, by the way, to uh-huh. folks who were who were sweating about a Democrat. There's a lot of folks on my side that were sweating about uh, a Democrat-controlled Senate if it's 50-50. And uh, the, the same guy that helps me sleep a little bit better at night is the same guy causing heartburn for so many of y'all, and that would be good old Joe Manchin from uh, West Virginia. That, uh, also, uh, for what it's worth, Kristen Cinema from Arizona. I've just seen a piece on her where they basically she's essentially like the Joe Manchin that doesn't get attention like he does. So as long as you have them in there, to be, I would say, I know these are not the words you'd use, the adults in the room. Uh, I'm a little bit sanguine about what's going to make it into the package here, uh, what's not, and, and everything. And uh, I'm sure I'm not going to like everything that comes through this here. I don't deny that the economy still needs more stimulus in light of what the government did over the last year uh, to shut things down as much as they did. And again, I, unlike a lot of people on the right, I don't whine about that because uh, public health has to be taken into account. And until we get out of this thing, which thankfully, you know, I mean, it feels like we're in the bottom of the seventh inning right now. I hope I'm right. But, I hope so, too. Yeah, I, 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 I think so. It's been a tedious, tedious, painful time. Well, and as long as it doesn't become a 21-inning game in that analogy, but, uh, you right. know, yeah. I mean, you know, having them in there, I mean, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema are maybe uh, two of the five most powerful people in Washington right now, I think. Uh-huh. Well, we'll see too. Um, you know, I think Mansion's going to be the, the biggest thing with cinema and Mansion is probably going to be the minimum wage increase. Yes. And you know, I live in DC, where the last stage of a minimum wage increase is getting phased in this summer. And I have friends who are small business owners, who you know, like cafe owners, things like that, who are complaining about it. But um, uh, you know, it's not. It hasn't caused mass unemployment in DC. Let's put it that way. Colin, um, one, one, I, yeah. one quick, quick side question: Is there a single? Oh, yeah. Is there a single Mickey D's left in that city where people aren't ordering off a touch screen? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I haven't been to McDonald's in too long. Okay. Um, I, I I have a craving for McDonald's cheeseburger every couple of years, <laughs> and then I eat one, and then I remember why I don't eat. Those oh, that's yet. why. <laughs> That's awesome. We do have a Popeyes in my neighborhood. Nice. So we're doing good on that front. Oh, awesome. Uh, 
but uh, the uh, um, da, 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 da. yeah. So I think the the minimum wage and that kind of thing. Um, but the things that they're going to be, you know, I, I suspect are going to hold the line on are um, you know the funding for state and local governments, people who have to balance a budget, people who can't run a debt, right? Um, and then uh, the individual bailouts. You know, look. If they fiddle with the details, it'll be in, you know, the amount of phase out at different income levels and things like that. Right. But, you know, Bernie Sanders had a really good point on the politics of, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the income restrictions on the stimulus that after running, you know, especially in the Georgia runoffs, after running on this notion of a $2,000 total, you know, package, that it would be insane for Democrats, for for people to get, for people who got stimulus money under Trump to not get it under Biden, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like from a purely political mean, point of view, this is just stupid. I, I understand uh, that. And, and I, th- I think that, that, you know, again, Manchin and Cinnamon will fiddle around the edges, and the, the minimum wage increase is probably one of those. But... Um, Let's just see what happens. I mean, uh, Biden made a point in the in the um, uh, in the, the, his uh, town hall on CNN last night that if the minimum wage had been uh, tied to inflation, it'd be twenty dollars an hour now. Yeah, true. Uh, but by the way, on the point with Bernie Sanders, I mean, while while I can't argue with a certain type of logic he was using there, I'm not uh-huh. sure what universe we're living in here now, where Bernie Sanders is arguing against. Uh, means testing, and I'm arguing for it. But I would say no, that no, the, fir- was, yeah, was saying, the, yeah. the, the first uh, two. I, I hear what you're saying. It's just you know, he was making a hard, uh, more of a hard-boiled political argument than you expect from Bernie Sanders. I mean, I, I understand that, but in, wherever the cutoff is, and I'm one of these people where, and, and, and again, and I'm sympathetic to the whole thing of like as somebody who lived briefly in D.C. for a couple months some years ago, knowing the insane cost of living there, whether it be the Bay Area, New York, whatever. I get that. So something that I might not consider middle income where I'm at, like 250000 maybe in some areas it might be. I don't know where we set the cap. Let's, let's just go hog wild and say half a million. Should anybody oh, above well, half? They're going to send it 150,000. Okay, but I, but I mean, here's my yeah. point though: the fact that we sent it, I think, to everybody on the first one. Should we have right. ever sent it to anybody above, let's say, half a million in the first place? Just because we were stupid then doesn't mean we should be stupid now. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, yeah, and again, I think you know you're going to get I, I, the the cap that you know the thing that the that they're talking about now. Um, that seems to be the consensus is seventy five thousand dollars for individuals, and again, that's adjusted gross income. So well, that's going to be you know anyone making up to about ninety grand realistically, and, right? Sure, and, and and the whole thing of two, you know, and I I always hate the whole uh, you know t- type thing of uh, you know faux selflessness of like a Warren uh-huh. Buffett of like, well, taxes should be higher for people like me. I'm going to volunteer everybody to pay higher taxes. You know, that whole kind of a thing. But I'm willing to say Warren Buffett shouldn't have gotten his 12 hundy and his 6 hundy <laughs> at that time there, okay? Just because I don't agree with him on, on the whole throwing everybody else under the bus who doesn't earn as much as him. And I think, again, he's a classic example of how the wealthy use government to kind of quash their you know, potential competition, let's keep small businesses small. But that I guess that's another rant for another day. But I do say that Warren Buffett shouldn't have gotten his, his cake on that one there, nor should a lot of these other folks. So Bernie Sanders might be right on that, but being dumb then is not a, a reason to be dumb now. Well, but, uh, I, I would just argue that 
that <laughs> the number of people who make over five hundred thousand dollars pretty small. It is so it is. the number of people that you're mad about getting that is not too big. The bigger point is that. You know, the stimulus money is going to go out to a whole lot of people, yeah, uh, a couple of hundred million people who will spend it right away. And that's, you know, it's not just about helping people. It's also about juicing demand at a time when demand is low. It's classic Keynesianism that way. Although people yeah. saved a lot you know, of it last I'll, time. I'll give you a stat. Mm -hmm. um, now, this isn't something that's relevant right now, but if you want to create one job... Uh, and uh, you have to spend like six or eight hundred thousand dollars on highway construction right. right to create one job uh, if you spend thirty thousand dollars on arts education you on the, on the arts you create one job right right so there are you know and if the whole point is to uh, juice the economy you want to get it into the hands of people who are going to spend it very quickly okay and and that that's all well and good and I I understand uh, you know the the logic of some of that but here's the thing though is that you're looking at a situation where when the government's doing that uh, for everybody like myself who got the first stimulus check and wasn't feeling any kind of a pinch from it what we do we put it in the bank there was an awful yeah. lot of savings on that first one there, and I think they basically said that it didn't juice demand the way that they thought it would. It helped avert catastrophe in a lot of ways as far yeah. as, uh, you know, for the people who really did need it. Things would have been even worse, and again, the fact that this was not a, you know, a depression-level thing that stayed a depression-level thing, and I think it was basically that for at least a couple weeks there, in, in March and in April, but the fact that we pulled out of it, I think, had to do with that, and, and that's where I think, again, that this is a thing where there probably is some more help that's needed, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here with, with how they go about that, and, you know, that's clearly going to be the big domestic initiative, I think, of the first term of this presidency. Well, that and, that and the, um, the vaccine distribution. Yes. Which, you so, know... And, and you know, the, the Democrats, you know, they exaggerate a little bit when they say there was no plan for distribution, but there wasn't a very good plan. Yeah, that's fair. That's <laughs> you know, fair. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was total amateur hour. I actually have a, um, an old uh, high school friend whose husband is over at FEMA, you know, mm -hmm. Federal Emergency Management. Yep. And, you know, he was a career military um, and then as a logistics guy and then moved over into um, FEMA. And he was working there when Jared Kushner's little um, management consultant buddies dropped in. And it was just, it sounds like it was just constant head shaking of what are these idiots doing? You know, well, um, you're, you're putting people in who have no idea how the systems work. And they kept telling the civil servants to do things that were illegal and not because they were particularly malevolent. It's just they had no idea what they were doing. All right, but here's the thing, though, and this is something that I read way back when. And so just, you know, in fairness, and I'm not a big Jared Kushner guy, but I got the sense that it was from one of his his little outside group that he had. That was I understand that was where the concept of the pop-up hospitals came from. So if that was the case, give him credit for that. Uh, the concept of pop-up hospitals came from MASH units in Korea. Well, I mean, anybody who watched MASH knows what a pop-up oh, hospital oh, is. Oh, okay. I mean, but, we did, I mean, I mean, 
mean, they set those things up in disaster zones all the time. I, but, I mean, doing that in this country... We all watched MASH back in the day, for God's sakes, Colin. I mean, of course it existed <laughs> on our TV <laughs> no, screens. I'm that, that, but, I mean, uh, you know... That, yeah, uh, uh, I took plenty of people with experience in disaster relief... Con converting major those. structures. I mean, that's. I mean, well, whoever, whoever it was, my hats off to them. Whoever it was that had the idea of converting major structures in a uh, time of calamity. Uh, if it came from Jared Kushner's group, more power to him. Wherever it came from, I respect him because it was a hell of an idea. It kept things from getting worse, and it's been necessary. Hell, it was necessary into the fall in a lot of places. Utah, Wisconsin, uh, was using them. Last summer in Georgia, I mean, sadly enough, yeah, I mean, this the, the, the whole the whole handling of this thing has been pretty disgraceful all the way through. Uh, you know, I'm willing to say that. And uh, again, I think you know Biden benefits from the low bar on that as far as how that went. Uh, the whole thing again on on the vaccine. Trump did nothing on the vaccine distribution. Where he can take credit is the bullying of you got to get something out ASAP. Although if Trump had his way, they'd have cut corners and gotten out an unsafe one even quicker. I'm afraid, but I uh, suspect, but we'll you know, know we'll never know. We'll never know. We 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 can think that, but it's a thing where I I think you know the whole thing of Operation Warp Speed. That is, you know, there, Trump deserves his share in my estimation of credit for that. Although, like I said, uh -huh. the infrastructure to back it up, yeah, wasn't there. It was, let's just leave it in the hands of the states, and a lot of the states are run by buffoons, so you see what you get here. You have a holocaust in, in New York from, uh, you know, nursing home patients getting pushed over a cliff into incinerators by uh, Andrew Cuomo, essentially, so, you know. You know, when he was getting lionized early in the pandemic, yeah. I was skeptical then. Yeah. I've never been a big uh, Cuomo fan. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I was not remotely surprised. <laughs> Honestly, if, if you lived in New York in uh, 2018, you'd have been wearing one of those I'm with Zephyr buttons, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. I don't trust academics. Okay. Yeah. Now, um, politics is a skill. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, uh, where I would, you know, the thing that just never, you know, talking about Trump's mishandling, um, and, you know, basically devolving responsibilities down to the states, simply having things like very clear rules for or guidelines for businesses so that there was so much less uncertainty about how to reopen and when to reopen. Right. Um, there were probably plenty of businesses that closed down that didn't have to, you know. Um, or stay closed longer than they have to. A simple thing like a mask mandate, yep. uh, you know, to cut transmission rates. Um, you know, I'm in East Texas, uh, obviously, as I mentioned before, um, right now. And, uh, I'm, I'm just blown away at how few people and how many people who should know better are, are refusing to wear masks. You know, people who yeah. are, Health, educated health professionals, for instance, you know, yeah, I mean, um, that clear guidance from the top could have made a huge difference and saved some lives and saved some jobs too. Well, and yeah. it would have been um, a far better move politically. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Trump, Trump would have won the election, I think, if he took it seriously, because he came this close despite shooting himself in the foot all the way through. There, mm -hmm. In my estimation, there's significant blood on his hands. I, ironic, since he's the first president 
you know, not to do, you know, military adventurism ad hoc willy-nilly in the Middle East in a long time, yet all the blood on his hands is domestic rather than foreign because of politicizing masks, pandering to the peckerwoods who are like, God doesn't want me to wear a mask, it! all that kind of crap. I mean... Absolutely. I, I just don't get it. It's not hard. Well, and that's, it doesn't make you less of a man. You know, but, you could have appealed to like you know, you know, there are different kinds of different ideas of manhood, right? You know, there's an old idea that men protect the weak. You know, you could have appealed to that kind of thing. Colin, the thing of it is, is as an intellectually honest person uh, on all of this kind of stuff, okay, is that I don't like when. You know, when, when there's examples of stuff that y'all on the left are able to point to and whatever, of like, you know, because it lives up to the worst caricature of what guys like me are all <laughs> I don't about. Think, I don't it think is. anyone even had, I think, I think this exceeds. I mean, it, it, it does, it does. But, <laughs> but it goes, and like I said before, of where it's all, it's all just the tribalism, culture war, crap, mm -hmm. whatever, that doesn't even have anything to do with people's actual lives. And it's like, yeah. you know, it, it, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I don't like when guys, <laughs> you are able to point and be like, that's what the right wing's all about. I mean, because I got nothing, because people like me are in the minority, and I know it. And that's a thing where it just pisses me off, because it's it's a poor reflection, and it's where, again, this this entire divorce of basically politics and policy and where policy is not really part of the culture uh -huh. war on the right the, the problem from my estimation is that the, the policy is very much wedded to the culture angle on the left and i think that's why you guys are going to be as effective as you're going to be in the next four years because you guys know what you want I mean, the, and you're going to go get it excels at creating circular firing yeah. squads do well, not underestimate that exactly exactly <laughs> I, mean, I just it's the you purity, know what i fear on the left more than anything well, else is the purity police you know i think that the you know the republicans take this idea of cancel culture way too far but there is a, uh, what makes it work is that there's a nugget of truth there sure and like i don't i don't consider myself a leftist i think of myself as a liberal yeah because i you know like a 19th century liberal i mean hell i own a business right sure you know, like a 19th century liberal um I, I want to maximize freedom, you know, in, you know an individual person. Well, not economic freedom, Colin. You like every and, other kind. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just, you know, and I think that the, the, you know, I was in college during the first wave of political correctness, and it was sure. very unpleasant. Me too. You know, so, so, so the benefit of this is, you know, what, what, what a, a lot of what gets called political correct, politically correct, is just not being rude to people, right? Yeah. Let's all be good to each other, you know. But don't try to police opinions. Right. It really gets me, and I think that is the kind of thing that the right is going to be able to uh, use again because there is a kernel of truth there. Well, and that's the whole thing too. Is that again, you know, as a uh, somebody who is a, a Roman Catholic and has tried as much mm -hmm. as possible to take that seriously. Uh, now that leads me to some of my uh, you know social views on politics and stuff like that. But on the whole human decency end as well, I've always been somebody very concerned about political correctness, and yet it's a whole thing of like you know again for any of the friends that I have who are you know different than the you know 
white male whatever, like I, I don't have any desire to offend them. I'd feel bad if I did. So it's like, but the thing of it is, is that like there are a lot of people on on the right that are like, oh, what kind of a pussy are you if you're not like, I, like I, I don't want to offend any friends of mine. Like I'm not in favor of curbing people's freedoms, you know, in any kind of a way that's un-American. But by the same token. You know, can we be responsible with the freedoms that we have? And the, one and of the big lessons, it. And, yeah. and that's the thing. And the last year has taught me this: that we're 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 not responsible with the freedoms that we have. Uh, that's why a lot of people, I think, over the last year, in the, in the face of this pandemic, have shown the selfishness that they have. And, and I'll even go right down to, I mean, Trump having the super spreader events that he did in, in the uh-huh. teeth of a pandemic leading up to it. And I, and I have friends who went to those things. And I'm just like, uh-huh. are, are you kidding me? I mean, we, we are not a country where... You know, again, I, I know folks on the left always like to act like they got the monopoly on caring about other people, but that's not something that is supposed to be on a partisan basis. And one, no. of, my, one of my biggest disappointments with the right, uh, particularly in the Trump era, is the right, so many elements of it, willfully renouncing it and saying, you know, we're not going to be people who give a crap about other people because that just makes us like people on the left. Yeah. No, no, it's not very Christian, is it? No, it's not. It's not. Draw a straight friggin' line between what you say you stand for and, mm-hmm. and the other stuff here. So, again, you know, that's that's the thing. And, you know, for, for as much as I've, you know, called out uh, all the stuff on, on your side that I see going on, I'm willing to call it out on my own as well. And uh, it will be an interesting, uh, you know, first uh, two years of the Biden term here. You know, uh, again, I, I think we're going to be talking probably more more about light than heat, as it were, with the Trump era, and more about actual policies and stuff. And, uh, you know, Republicans are going to try and you know pivot to being responsible on policies after not much talking about it for four years. So I don't you know. know. I don't know. I think that there's no incentive for them to do so. You know, there's no, you know, their audience is contracting, right? Yeah. Um, and what, what you're left with is you know, a radicalized, shrinking minority. And so there's no incentive to talk policy. The only incentive is to um, uh, just keep hammering on those same, you know, cultural, tribal things that we've been talking about. Yeah. So that's what really concerns me is that the, that there's no incentive for anyone, you know, trying to be a leader on the right to do sensible things. Sure. Yeah, well, and and if anything, my God, you know the stuff I've been reading the last few days, you know, after the impeachment vote, it sounds like the local Republican officials are far more rabid than pe- most people at the national level. Well, yeah, and I mean, and that kind of thing is self-replicating, right? Because they're going to encourage other candidates who are just like that. And then, you know, it, it basically, you know, a gerrymandering is a good example. Yeah. Um, you know, and and Republicans, you know, obviously. All incumbents try to gerrymander to protect themselves. Sure. The Republicans have been far more ruthless about doing it to gain power yeah. um, in the last uh, couple of decades. And we've talked about that link before. Yeah. But um, the downside for the Republicans is is that it creates so many districts where the only person who's going to get elected is a Jim Jordan. Right. And uh, that is not healthy. It just it, – it basically accelerates this spiral – into you know from an outsider's point of view madness 
Well, and, and that's the whole thing, too, is that, like, back in the day, that is something that would actually have appeal to me, uh, it, it, because it would be like, okay, well, we're going to get the person who's the most hardcore on policy, but Jim Jordan doesn't give a crap about policy. He's a pure culture warrior for a guy who was... You know, Freedom Caucus, Freedom Caucus this, Freedom Caucus that. It goes out the, the window the minute that Trump is in there, and it's all just nonstop sucking up the Trump. What the F is so Freedom Caucus about Donald Trump? You know, right. you wanted to act right. like the I'm national, like, I hear you. the national yeah, where, debt. Where, where, where is fiscal, you know, yeah, the national debt didn't stop mattering when, when Obama left office, but that's the whole thing here, too, that essentially nobody's intellectually honest anymore. And uh, that's where, again, the Republican Party, I think, is going to be hamstrung in trying to, you know, put forth any kind of opposition here, which, again, you know, it just, uh, it, I, to me, makes it all the more incumbent. Every night uh, before everyone in America goes to sleep, they need to say a prayer for the continued health of Joe Manchin, <laughs> the national hall monitor, to protect us all from AOC. Uh, well, I think you, uh, again, the, the general views of Democratic voters are pretty mainstream. Actually, they are as mainstream. So it's not just Manchin. Um the whole, you know, the people, the, the real activists on the left are afraid that Biden is going to be far too timid in their eyes. So well, from, um, from the early returns, you know, what, I, what I'm what the things that I'm going to be watching for are things like, can you fix Obama? Can you fix the problems that you haven't been able to fix in Obamacare? Right. Um, I buy my health insurance through the exchanges, mm -hmm. you know, for example. So I'm very interested in this. Yeah. Uh, as a small business guy. And um you know, can you introduce a public option? Uh, can you get rid of some of these insane bureaucratic things that keep people who are eligible for Medicaid from getting Medicaid? Um, can you uh, use uh, government investment to do things like, like it makes no sense that the government, that, that um, uh, you know, mail, uh, you know, postal service jeeps are, would be replaced by something that burns gas, right? right? It's going to be cheaper to buy electric. Right. You know, the same thing. Like I'm sure when UPS replaces its fleets, they'll go electric. I mean, right. those things don't do cross-country runs, right? Right. So it'll be cheaper and more efficient to replace them with electric ones when you can buy them in bulk. Those are the kind of things that I'm going to be watching. Um, and then, obviously, we talked about the defense, the national security stuff. Um, it's just, you know, you and I can agree that. The military-industrial complex has so much inertia that, you know, good luck anyone trying to change it. Yeah, that's going to be a uh, big challenge. And, uh, hey, maybe this, hey, if, if Joe Biden is looking for a Nixon goes to China moment, then Joe <laughs> Biden being the guy to tame the military-industrial complex might just good be it. luck. Yes. It's an online. It takes a lieutenant to put, you know, put something on an aircraft design and a colonel to get it off of it. Yeah. Just everything gets larded up. Yeah. It's going to be $600 hammers as far as the eye can see, I'm afraid. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, we'll have yeah. to contend with that. But, uh, but uh, we are about to land another critter on Mars. We so are. Like some things are going well. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Space Force is still on its way, I believe. So, you know, <laughs> the first version of it on Netflix was pretty good. Yeah, you know, the, 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 it, it's going to have to go a long way to top the Netflix version because uh, Steve yeah. Carell was pretty awesome, as was the entire cast. But uh, 
we'll see how it goes. And as we go through this uh, Biden area era in which, uh, again, we're going to be talking uh, probably more about politics than personalities. But, hey, that's the kind of stuff you and I kind of tend to prefer anyways. So, you know, sinking our teeth into policies and stuff, uh, at least there's that to look forward to. So uh, I look forward to it with you as always, my friend. Uh, well, thanks, so, man. I've had a really good time. Thank tonight. you. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yes. And now uh, we ended up getting too many episodes out of this one while we were at it. So Well, more, more grist for the social media mill. <laughs> Absolutely. More to be able to go out there and promote. Uh, hang in there in Texas, uh, Colin Delaney. Uh, you know, thoughts and prayers uh, to you and the fam. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, down there, Colin Delaney from thegreatepolitics.com. Check that out as always everybody and thank you everybody for joining us for these great mini episodes of the FDH Lounge.